Welcome back. Another edition of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. We do apologize. We are recording this Friday night instead of our usual Thursday night during uh, Thursday night football. Uh, it's just myself and Matt Sells this week. Matt, how you doing? We're good tonight. Um, yeah, you know, we figured it's a Sunday evening race this night, this weekend yeah. out in Vegas. Um, so we kind of have an extra almost full day for listenership. And we both had pretty long days on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you were a little under the weather yesterday. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of decided to push it a day. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just, just covering the Vegas race. The truck race just ended. Um, much to your chagrin, Sheldon Creed was doing well, and then he got into the wall there. Because, um, see, Dan, you were not specific when you asked for the caution. <laughs> you had to you had to be specific when you said who you wanted to spin out. I asked for a caution. My guy got into the wall, and there was still no caution. Yeah, so, see, it's specifics. <laughs> you got to call our car numbers. Uh, full weekend on deck. Uh, the truck playbook was was brief. I admit it. Um, I I got up at four in the morning on Friday to to work on it and write it. Um, had to had it about eighty percent done before I went to work, and I finished it while I was at work. And I felt bad because in the NASCAR DFS chat, a lot of guys asked for my opinion. I think on like Rafael Lasard. Austin Wayne self and maybe Tyler Hill. And I told him to go with Raphael Lassard and within five laps, he was already two laps down. Felt terrible. I still finished in the green. So I was happy with my lineups. Ultimately, I, I really hate it when I give bad advice and it just eats away at me. Um, and then Shelton Creed who dominated the first two stages can't even win the race, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, Natalie Decker gets, can't even start the race because she's not medically cleared still, by the way, don't, know why she wasn't medically cleared um i perused twitter for kind of a bit there to see if anything was up um but no there's no real reason given it could just be that she had a little bit of an elevated temperature could be as simple as that um so we'll we'll see what happens there but obviously that stinks for anybody that played him or played her sorry um but yeah, and then there's a Xfinity coverage coming for Saturday night's race, correct? Xfinity coverage race on Saturday night. The playbooks, pro- the playbook, and the lineups will be published around the same time, probably around two or three o'clock Saturday afternoon. I know that's a little bit later than normal for a NASCAR playbook. Um, I just have to edit some videos in the morning, and then I will dedicate the rest of my morning and afternoon to that. So it'll be up, and I'll be in the chat since I'm technically assigned to monitor the site from four to eight tomorrow uh it's a look behind the curtain i suppose but matt we're at vegas uh i love mile and a half for dfs i think they're easier to read i hate bristol i'm glad it's in the review love watching it i absolutely suck with bristol dfs i made a total of five lineups last week and i made two dollars thanks to one decent FanDuel lineup um but we're on to vegas and i feel like this is a track that doesn't see too many cautions too many wrecks feel like it's in general a pretty safe track for uh, DFS. Doesn't see a ton of tire wear with the new modifications, but ultimately, I like this race. Yeah, I mean, you'd be mostly correct there with not a lot of uh, wrecks um, at Vegas, though, you know, there, there have been um, in the past some late race uh, kerfuffles that have shaken some things up. Um, 
But yeah, it's not generally known as a tire wear track. It's a fairly standard mile and a half. Uh, they did race here earlier this year. Uh, the winner was Joey Logano back when Joey Logano was re- winning races. He won two of the first four. <laughs> yeah, he won two of the first four races and then hasn't won anything uh, since. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I did a nice little write up in the track breakdown, which is up at Fantasy Alarm. It came out uh, on Thursday. Projections are up now. Uh, DFS rankings are also up. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fairly standard mile and a half trioval 20 degree banking. Uh, they'll have the same package as they have had on this track the last, uh, two years, same tires. Um, so yeah, it's a fairly standard. And last year it was in the playoffs, by the way, that the, it did kick off the first round of the playoffs. So, um, it's a little later in the playoffs this year, but it is the scheduled date. Um, just one quick note. I apologize to anybody if they can hear ambient noise in my background. I live next to or near a very vibrant nightlife area on Fridays. And uh, so if you hear any background noise, guitar, bass, I apologize. But Matt, what is the what are the programming notes? What's the schedule looking like this weekend? This is a Friday night podcast, so you have to give up some time on your weekend to listen to it. Uh, but playbook, uh, when should we expect that? You might actually have the playbook up before I get the Xfinity playbook up, and I'm not proud to admit that. Uh, we'll see. I have the drivers basically figured out for who's going to be in the playbook. It's just a matter of me pumping out the uh, playbook that's about the – so I don't know. Y'all are pretty familiar with my playbooks that generally total about 3,000 words because I like to write. Um, so it should be out some point Saturday afternoon. We'll see just how much gusto I have after this podcast, see how much I can get done uh, tonight, because I am an hour earlier than you are there, Dan. Um, but yeah, then lineups will be out Sunday afternoon. So you have to look for those, because there'll be some football content that's out on the site. Obviously, it's a Sunday. Um, best bets should be up Probably Sunday afternoon as well, obviously. Um, Sunday mornings are pretty much a scramble for NFL on the site, as you all are aware. Um, And then once the first games kick off, things clear up quite a bit for basically everybody in the fantasy industry. Um, So, yeah, best bets will be out Sunday. Example lineups will be out Sunday afternoon. Um, Playbook will be out Saturday. That's basically the rest of the weekend because obviously track breakdown and projections and rankings are out. Those will be updated throughout the weekend depending on what news breaks and, you know, inspection and stuff like that. All right. So long story short, if you don't see content for NASCAR on the home page on Sunday, click click the NASCAR tab in the menu there. Yeah. And it'll take you to the NASCAR homepage and you'll see. Right. All of the latest stuff were under the NASCAR menu. There's a drop down you can click on. There's links for playbooks, track breakdown, DFS rankings. All of our stuff is in those menus. So, yes, it's a very hectic time of year with baseball still going on. Uh, there's NBA write ups happening. If you look on the homepage right now, as of this recording, there's MMA stuff, there's NASCAR, NFL, there's League of Legends. <laughs> EPL, college football. EPL, college football is up there. Uh, And also tomorrow you have the NFL playbook and dartboard coming out, and you have college football playbooks out, two NASCAR playbooks out. 
So there's a lot of stuff. So just always look under the NASCAR tab or ask us in chat. We can link you the articles if you have trouble finding them. All right. Anything else you really wanted to go over? I feel like we breezed through that section pretty quickly. Normally we take a little more time, but if that's it, I'm completely content just diving into my dog is taking a drink of water. Perfect timing. Uh, but with that said, I'm perfectly fine going right into the driver pool for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, we can hit the news and notes as we touch on the drivers for this for this week. Uh, as well, pertained to I it. feel like we kind of glossed over the news because there is some really big news coming. There out is some pretty big news. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's coming to NASCAR. That's right. His buddy, Denny Hamlin. They have been buddies for like, I don't know, for a real long time. Uh, he's been a Jordan brand guy for a really long time. In case you were not aware, not only does he have Jumpman brand gloves, but he's got the Jordan brand specially made racing shoes that he wears while he races. Um, and so there had been some tea leaves out there that he had been, you know, he posted a picture a few weeks ago that specifically had a Toyota logo and a Michael Jordan brand logo. And that was it. And this is a FedEx guy. He didn't have any FedEx insignia or brands in the photo. It was just Jordan and Toyota. And then, like, the following week, he posted a picture of him pulling up to Jordan's private golf club to go play some golf with Jordan. Um, So it had been kind of, you know, had rumors with legs. Um, And then the news broke earlier this week that Denny Hamlin is going to be a minority owner. Um, in this race team with Michael Jordan, who will be listed as the majority owner. Um, and they're essentially buying Jermaine Racing's um, charter and team, and their driver is going to be Bubba Wallace. So the name of the team is still yet to be determined. Uh, you can almost rest assured it will be a Toyota team because there's no way Denny Hamlin is not racing, right. not going to field another Toyota team. Uh, Bubba Wallace will bring, apparently, according to reports, about twenty to twenty-five million dollars worth of sponsorship with him. Um, I'm and sure you, MJ will have no problem bringing. And MJ, <laughs> who happens to be a billionaire and owner of the Charlotte Hornets, uh, has probably no problem, uh, you know, getting some sponsorship in line with him too. Um, the reason why Hamlin will be the minority owner is I think that that's how they get around the rules of a driver owning a, another team that he doesn't drive for. Um, cause if you're a minority owner, then you don't technically have quite as much stake in the outcome of how that team does compared to your team. So I think that's how they got around that rule. Um, but yeah, that's some major news. Um, Ross Chastain was named full-time driver of the 42 car this week. And good for him, because that's a good ride for a good driver. Yeah, and frankly, I should have taken Ross Chastain because I had named him. I thought it was going to be Ross Chastain when Kyle Larson was first fired. Right. And in fact, if you go back and read the piece that I wrote about it, I was like 90% sure it's going to be Ross Chastain and didn't even mention Matt Kenseth. So I'm kind of ashamed I had forgotten about Chastain when the news broke. Uh, but yeah, he will be in the 42 car next year. So uh, if you're kind of counting things up, that that's leaving fewer and fewer rides for guys like Daniel Suarez and Eric Jones and Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, who 
people still, including myself, believe he's going to be back in the Cup Series next year. Uh, and guys like Austin Sindrick, who probably should be up in the Cup Series, and guys like Chase Briscoe, who probably should be up in the Cup Series, and what happens to Clint Boyer. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of a lot of stuff still floating around there. If if you're a guy like Eric Jones and RPM just calls calling like if they offered you the forty three would you just take it just to know you have a ride next year? Yes, at this point. Yeah, I kind of feel the same. Like because Daniel Suarez is rumored to be going to the forty three right now. Damn. Okay. Uh. Well, that kind of squashes my theory. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just rumors. Who? I mean. That's fair, but we also, but I mean, the rumors also said that it was possible that you know Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson were going to go to a two-car team that was going to be headed by right. MJ and Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin right now has specifically said it will be a one-car one team. team, right? Is what he has said. So um, that obviously takes one one car theoretically away from an open pool, um, but there is still the forty-eight slash eighty-eight potentially open still um you know there could be another car opening at penske penske could field a four car team to get cindric up i wish they would with them that would be so um, cool again it's all going to come down to sponsorship and if it's financially sound for them to do it they're not just going to gift him a seat because his dad yeah, is especially because this is a year where a lot of teams are losing money right so yeah. I mean, we've just seen two teams get sold, basically, in the in Levine Family Racing and Jermaine Racing. Hmm. Both get sold. Um, so if I'm Eric Jones and RPM calls, then yes. It, it's not the same equipment that you've been used to, but frankly, Bubba Wallace has a, <laughs> arguably a better season going than Eric Jones right now. So... Um, yeah, I would. If I was Eric Jones, I would. I would do that. I don't know if I would wait to try to see if the forty-eight or eighty-eight is going to open for you, or if the fourteen would be open for you, or you know, because you might wind up in the ninety-six. All right. Well, with that said, uh, nobody wants to end up in the ninety-six, but we're at Vegas. It's a mile and a half. It's it's it's. This is a. It's, it's a good race to get a little more exposure to for dfs it's not bristol it's not dega it's not daytona like that this is a safe dega is coming though next week yeah i know i don't want to talk about it and then we got what this is the only mile and a half in this state right because it's dega next weekend which i have a ticket to but i don't think i'm going uh oval and then the roval in charlotte which i'd much rather go to yeah um all right so then it's kansas and then it's martinsville and then, or I guess Texas, Texas, Texas Kansas, Texas. and Martinsville. Yeah. I don't know. This is probably really bad radio. We do apologize. Matt, let's just dive right into the driver pool, shall we? Sure. Okay, cool. Front row, uh, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch. Harvick is 11,700 on DraftKings. Uh, Kyle Busch is 10,000. It's also Kyle Busch's home track, so that alone makes him a play. His name's Kyle Busch, so he's already in play. It's just when you kind of compare you know this year's Kyle Busch to previous year's Kyle Busch this one pales in comparison he sucked this year he hasn't got a win he even talked about earlier this week and you mentioned it before we started recording that he said like this I could be eliminated after this round and that's no he said I will be eliminated this round okay that sucks to hear from a driver like yeah is he trying to pump his own drivers is he trying to like 
I don't know if he's trying to send a message to his team that, like, <laughs> hey, guys, we got to turn this around. Because it also came in the same press conference where he said, Joey, there's a reason that Logano's friends with nobody, which is an accurate statement. Um, <laughs> because if you remember back to Bristol, Joey Logano would not get out of his way when he was the leader. And thus, Kevin Harvick passed him down the stretch and uh, then wound up winning last week's race. Um, you know what's weird? Is that I feel like these guys just absolutely, like, if you're not on the same team, you probably really just dislike each other all throughout the like the regular NASCAR season. And then once it's like the silly season and they get like three months off, it seems like they could be buddies. Because I remember Kyle Busch, after he won the championship last year, he went on a Barstool podcast and he talked about, um, you know, how like during the season everyone's competitive and they don't really talk. But yet in the offseason, they're totally fine, you know, being buddies and everything. And he called Joey Logano while he was like being interviewed by Big Cat and and pft and they seem perfectly fine and they're very cordial and everything like that but at the same time it's like i'm always stunned when kyle bush just constantly throws shade at joey logano in moments like this and i'm not necessarily saying kyle bush is wrong because i actually do like kyle bush because the kyle bush you see in front of the camera is the kyle bush that you get that is who he is all the time and i love that about him and i respect that about him but i also understand like there's probably like a joey logano in front of the camera and then a joey logano behind the camera and i think that is what kyle bush is getting at with that comment yeah, I think it also stems from the fact that Kyle Busch and Joey Logano have had numerous run-ins on the track in which Kyle Busch believes that he was the one on the wrong end of it just about every time. <laughs> he was the victim. <laughs> and I tend to agree with that assessment of his situation. KFB, baby. But um, this week... I mean, it's hard to turn down Kevin Harvick. Obviously, he's coming off a win at Bristol. The two tracks are not comparable. Um, But Harvick has been good basically everywhere he's gone. Um, You know, he does have a a pretty good history here, uh, you know, himself. He's got the second-best driver rating. Over the last four races here, um, Kyle Busch does have a win at his home track. uh, Came... I think about three, four races, uh, about four races ago. Um, I think Kevin Harvick is safer than Kyle Busch, but I think Kyle Busch perhaps has more upside than Kevin Harvick does. So that's kind of the way I'm approaching those two this week. Okay. Next line, we've got Chase Elliott, 9,700, which is anytime Chase Elliott is priced under 10K, I am just baffled. But at the same time, he's been hit and miss. Yeah, like he really has. I was and, talking and to with, I was talking to my wife about this earlier tonight, and she's a huge Chase Elliott fan. She went from Dale Jr. to Chase Elliott, and she's like, "I can't get a read on him." And I was like, "Yeah, the same thing. I can't, nope, I can't, <laughs> can't get a read on how he's doing." And I looked it up, and over there's been eleven races on mile and a half tracks this year. He has five top tens. So he's the definition of hit and miss the entire year at mile and a half tracks. The entire year. And at Vegas, that trend continues. He's got two top tens in the last four races. So he's either going to finish in the top ten or he's going to move backwards significantly. So, and to be frank with you, I was also talking to her and I was like, he might consider the next two races the safer two races for him this round. 
I would definitely agree for the Roval, especially because it's at Charlotte, which is right next right. door to Hendrick. Yeah. Right. He also won the Charlotte Roval race last year after right. hitting the tire barrier in turn one, and then he did the epic burnout. Uh, <laughs> but he also won Talladega previously. He won yep. Talladega last year. So if he's considering those two kind of quote-unquote safer for this round, then he's he may just need to get out of Vegas with a decent finish. Okay. But the other guy in the row is Eric Almarola. And I love the price tag on DraftKings at just 8300 Yep, starting fourth. Yeah, like... For this a is guy a... who has shown top five speed at mile-and-a-half tracks, like, all year. Exactly. Like, this is a yeah. really good GPP spot for Eric Almarola, where you may even get him with low ownership. Yep, I completely agree. He's had six top tens uh, at 11 mile-and-a-half tracks this year. Um, and he had that really impressive run of, like, top five finishes. Most of those were at uh, mile-and-a-half tracks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if Almarola, uh, who, by the way, is right now on the outside looking in for the next round, though he is technically in a tie with Austin Dillon at 3,005 points. Um, he's one point better than both Kyle Busch and Boyer and four points better than Kurt Busch. Um, if he snags a win here which is probably his best shot, that would be a game-changer for the round of eight. That would so, be that would just change the landscape of the playoffs, essentially, if Almarola somehow won. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so he's, I'm fine with him in GPPs. I'm not I'm not playing him in cash. But I'm no, I totally agree. Like, I can't even wrap my head around Eric Almarola potentially winning at a track that is not a super speedway. Uh, but we'll move on to the next row. It's Joey Logano. He won here in the spring. Yep. Uh, really good resume here. It's just you, you cannot trust him given the circumstances of no qualifying, no practice, no chance to really get the car, um, I guess, at its apex. What you need. Uh, Clint Boyer is kind of a fun play, though. He's only 8,100. Uh, a couple top 15s here. doesn't have, like, the greatest average finish at just 18.5. But this might be his swan song. It could be his last year in NASCAR. You know, he's he's at 3,004 points. He's only a point behind Austin Dillon and Almarola, who are tied for eighth. Um, I know how we feel about Logano. Uh, we'll plug him into some GPP lineups, but you and I just get the sense that he's not going to win another race this year. He's actually my number one play in cash this week. Uh, what? He's won, two of, he's won two of the last three races here. He's actually looked pretty good on mile and a half uh, this season, even without the practice. And Do you think that they just maybe take notes that they – well, I was so going to say – First of all, it's got the go same ahead. tire combination as the first race does, so they're not changing that. The temperatures out in Vegas right now are pretty high, I would say. Yeah, they're they're warmer than they were back in That's what February. I think. Right. Um but they're similar enough. I mean, you have notes on this stuff. They also raced there about this time of year last year in the same package and the same tires. Um and right now, even without practice, he has the fifth best average finish over the last 5 races this season. He's posted three top tens in the last five races this season. So he's actually still statistically a pretty solid play. Um, the price 
not as excited about the price. I'd like <laughs> to see him under ten grand on DK rather than ten three. But I get it. Um, he's also got the best driver rating in the last four races here. Most laps led uh, as well. So, and even at that price tag, he still has the best DK value over the last five races at, at Vegas at almost 7x value over the last five races. Um, so, I really do like Joey Logano this week, and I do like Boyer for uh, GPPs this week too, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes with that saying that all the playoff drivers are, are worthy of a GPP throw in. Like, right, you have to obviously. get exposure to them all in a GPP lineup. Or if you, so if you're making 20 lineups, like, you want exposure to every single playoff driver. Um, right. All right, we'll move on to the next row. Uh, a couple more playoff drivers, Austin Dillon. Uh, also, you're getting two really good values here, I feel. Austin Dillon at 7,600 on DraftKings, 10,500 on FanDuel. I don't really want to touch him over there. Well, However, 7,600. How did he go up 500 bucks since last week? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but 7,600 for Austin Dillon, who has actually looked a lot better on mile and a half tracks this year. It's kind of been his, uh, a read between the lines narrative with him. He's, he, he's typically a super speedway racer, but he also won at Texas to get into the playoffs. And this is the best he's really ever looked at mile and a half. He lines up next to Alex Bowman, who is a hilarious 7,300, uh, Bowman. Okay. Average finish at. Vegas, not great, but this is also this this is a line where you feel like one of these guys could be in the GPP optimal. Yeah, and I'm going to take the bet that it's probably more likely Austin Dillon than Alex Bowman. Um, in case you're unaware, Alex uh, Austin Dillon has like the fifth best average finish in mile and a half tracks this year. Like, where did that come from? Uh, he's we so we've waxed poetic about how good Ryan Blaney's been on mile-and-a-half tracks this year, he and Austin Dillon have the exact same average finish. At 10.8. Like, that's... <laughs> that's kind of surprising. Really if, if you think about it. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't see Austin Dillon as a $10,000 driver on FanDuel. I said that last week, and then he went up 500 bucks. so clearly they didn't listen to me. Um... <laughs> He's done okay at Vegas, not not terrible. He does have a top five in his last uh, four races here, which did come in the uh, spring race here. He finished fourth after starting 21st. Um, so, you know, he, he does have that going for him. Uh, Bowman basically started about where he finished in the spring race. He started 12th, finished 13th. Um, he's been okay at mile and a half this year. So... I would say that Dylan's probably a safer upside play, but obviously Bowman is still in plays in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Love it. All right. Next row, we have Kurt Busch and Denny Hamlin. And uh, both these guys seem like they could be a couple of fades this week. I know Kurt Busch is the obvious fade. He just absolutely sucks at his own home track. However, I don't hate the price tag on DraftKings. I understand he, he has the worst time here, but... You know, uh, we have a subscriber that makes a good point almost every week. Uh, big day for me. He's he's very active in the NASCAR DFS chat. And he actually makes a really good point. So it's like you can't really put too much weight into previous 
you know, races and resumes. And for that, I kind of want to throw Kurt Busch into a couple GPP lineups. I love the price tag. I like the starting spot. And it's like, you know, they're not getting practice. They're not getting qualifying. We don't really know what to expect. And and I get I get the resume sucks, but I still want to throw them into maybe 10% of my lineups. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play more Kurt Busch than I am of Denny Hamlin this week, which is going to sound a little funky. Um, it's very funky when you consider that Hamlin has PD on his side amongst playoff drivers. Yeah, he does. Um, and Denny Hamlin's also got three wins at mile and a half tracks this year, uh, six top fives. But Kurt Busch has eight top tens, and then he's only got six top fives. Um, here's the thing, though Denny has not been good at Vegas. He's just not. He's gone backwards about 13 spots a race. Uh, He's only got one top 10 in the last four trips here. He's only got three total top 10s in the last eight trips here, which is not great for a guy you're paying $11,000 for. He also doesn't lead laps here. He's got one lap led per race in the last four and 3.3 fastest laps per race here in the last four. So not great. I also think he's distracted by that race team he just started this week. Um, There's kind of a lot of questions he's had to answer over this past week. Also, by the way, what does that do for team morale, starting your own race team in the middle of a championship hunt when you're having arguably your best career season? Um, So I like the price tag a lot better for Kurt Busch on both sides than I do for Denny Hamlin. So Denny Hamlin is a fade for me, which is going to sound crazy i know because very very denny denny's been really good just about everywhere he's gone but and by the way in the spring race here uh denny hamlin started fourth and finished 17th so it's not just like old package setups it's like it happened this year he moved back 13 spots this year uh okay so i just want to like kind of clear the air when you say denny hamlin is a fade if you're making 20 lineups, does that mean you're putting him in him in zero lineups or maybe two lineups? Maybe two. Okay. Maybe. So it's not a full fade, but it's just you want to be lighter than the field. For sure. Because, like, let's just face it. So if he does what, like, okay, let's just say for sake of argument, he manages to pull out a top five, which, by the way, he's only got one top five finish here in his last eight races. If he pulls out a top five at $11,000 on DK, that's still not value. He still still needs laps led, which then if you look, oh, gee, he doesn't lead laps. He just doesn't. Like over the last eight races, he's led 1.8 laps per race. That's a pretty big sample size to not lead very many laps. Okay, so we'll kind of use this to segue into the next row, but while still talking about Denny Hamlin, because Martin Truex Jr. and Brad Keselowski are starting behind Kurt Busch and Denny. Uh, Truex is 10-6 on DK. Keselowski is 11-4. Are you basically saying, because these guys can't hit value just based on PD alone, that you would not play, and we're talking lineup theory here, but would you be okay playing Hamlin, Truex, Keselowski, at least two of them in the same lineup, or are you just kind of targeting one of those guys in this little trio and then maybe going with Austin Dillon. Uh, I'd be fine with stacking Truex and Kozlowski. Okay. And here's my reason. Yes, they're like Kozlowski's $400 more than Hamlin. But here's the thing. 
Kislowski, going back to 2013, hasn't finished worse than seventh. And he has three wins here in that time. Okay, so he's got a really stable track history. In the last four races, his average finish is 3.3, and he's got an 11.2 position differential. And by the way, with that position differential also comes 23 laps led per race. So he's moving up fast enough to then go lead like 20, 25 laps a race. Truex won this race last year. And he's the um, king of mile and a half. He also dominates at mile and a half. He's been getting really, really hot of late. He's finished in the top five several <laughs> just, races just now. He just can't get a win. No. Um, his average finish here is eighth, which isn't bad, but he moves up 6.8 spots a race. So he's starting about where he normally does and finishes higher. And he leads 32 laps a race and gets 37 fastest laps a race, which is the most in the field. So those two guys are starting further back than Denny, but they also have better histories. They have histories of leading laps and Danny has history of moving backwards and not leading laps. So okay. that would be the that would be the theory behind the sal like they're all similar salaries, I get it, but like those two have better history. Yeah, so. and like I, I tried to group Kislowski, Truex, and Hamlin all together only because, you know, if if you have to stack if if you're comparing Hamlin to Truex, I mean you're probably taking Truex for one, because he's starting behind Hamlin. Two, right. you're saving four hundred dollars. Three Truex actually dominates in mile and a half track. So it's, it, but at the same time, it's like Hamlin's looks so good this year, and it's just so hard to fade him in this spot. I think I might be a little bit heavier than you, um, which is fine. We don't necessarily need to agree on everything. Could burn me, could burn you, potato, potato. But we'll move on to the non playoff drivers. Uh, first row outside of the top 12, it's going to be Eric Jones and Tyler Reddick. Uh, Eric Jones is 8,500, still seeking a ride. On, he's 8,500 on DraftKings, 8,300 on FanDuel. Tyler Reddick is 6,900 on DraftKings. Nice. 7,800 on FanDuel. Um, not crazy about either guy here, to be completely honest. I don't. I think the st- starting spots are a little bit high. I know. I know yep. <laughs> Jones' resume here absolutely sucks. Yeah, Jones' resume here is not good. Um, it's just not. It's just not good. Um, and Tyler Reddick, it's he's not just true. starting too high. Yeah, he like if he can hold his spot, great. But I don't know that he does. There's some pretty good drivers starting behind him that I expect to move up some spots. So, um, I'm just not crazy about either either guy. Um, I'm more comfortable with Reddick as a budget GPP guy. Than Jones for sure. Yeah, but that's about where I sit with that row. Uh, next row we have Ryan Blaney at ninety one hundred on DraftKings, eleven thousand five hundred on FanDuel. That's a little steep. Uh, yeah, Chris, yeah. Chris Busher is sixty two hundred on DraftKings, six thousand on FanDuel. Busher actually tends to move up ten spots per race here, which is strange. But at the same time, he's he's starting higher than he typically does. Right. In he's starting game. about where he normally finishes, finishes so there's right. a difference between passing cars 26 through 16 and passing cars 16 through 6 um, I don't expect him to match the 10 spots of PD I do expect him to get a handful though because he's actually been um, pretty decent um, 
this you know he's been he's been decent at this track a uh, mile and a half this year not great um he normally starts about 18th and finishes about 22nd so not great but you know each track is different for each guy um in the spring race here busher started 23rd and finished 14th um so that does there is some intrigue there for me with busher as for blaney i love blaney um this is a great half it feels like people could be off blaney because he's out of the playoffs now Right, exactly, and he looked super dejected after Bristol, um, which I get that was kind of a tough way to go. Um, but he's starting 15th, which is kind of an interesting spot for him because it's not, like, so far back that it would draw attention, but it's not super up front where you would then expect him to, like, crush it and go run up front the whole time. Um, so well, I kind of should because... like the spot. If he can somehow get a top five finish, like that'll crush five X value. Yeah, and he's yeah. got two. He's got two top fives here. Um, in the last four races, he's got three in his eight total races. His average finish is tenth. So, um, yeah, I really, I really like Blaney this week. All right, next row we have Michael McDowell at sixty one hundred dollars on DraftKings, fifty five hundred dollars on FanDuel. Next to Jimmy Johnson, who is eighty nine hundred dollars on DraftKings. $10,000 on FanDuel. I think I've been playing a lot of Jimmy Johnson lately. It has not worked out in my favor. I feel like this is a week to possibly get off of him. The price is very high for, and I just don't love the results here. Same for McDowell. Starting way too high. If he was starting further back, I'd get exposure. But he has an average finish here of like 30th. So, like, this is a row that I'm not, it, this isn't moving the needle. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of sleeping on this line. Yeah, I agree. I'm completely off of McDowell here. Um, the price is nice, but, like, what are you paying for? You're paying for right. a guy that just doesn't run well here. Um, and um, I'll agree with you that the price is a bit too steep for Jimmy Johnson. I guess they think he's going to move up, and so they've built in some, you know, boosted the price a bit there. Um Overall, it's not a terrible resume, Vegas. Um, and he's I mean, done he has okay. 61.3 quality passes per race. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking circling back, uh, Alex Bowman leads the field in that category at 74. So Bowman could actually hold the spot pretty decently there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to, obviously not opposed to Jimmy Johnson. Um and he's done okay a mile and a half this year, but I would say he's definitely a better GPP than Cash. All right, next row we have Matt Benedetto starting 19th. Matt Kenseth. Cash game. <laughs> what was that? Cash game. Uh, okay. Uh, I thought. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, it's the Matt line. It's the Benedetto and Kenseth next to each other. The Benedetto is 7,900. Kenseth is 6,500. The Benedetto out of the playoffs as well. However. He tends to move up pretty well here. Uh, the 21 car for the Wood Brothers has been very good on mile and a half this year. Kenseth, uh, he's checked out. Like he, he, I don't even yeah. think he wants to race anymore. I think he's just collecting a paycheck at this point. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that assessment. Um, I mean, they fired the crew chief. Yeah. They've already named his replacement. I really don't know why 
at this point, he's not even avoiding his kids because Wisconsin started school already. So, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know why he's, <laughs> he's still there. Uh, De Benedetto, in case you're wondering, uh, is starting 19th. You want to take a wild guess as to where he started in the spring? I would say just inside the top 20 at maybe P19. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he finished P2. Good for him, man. He, he finished runner-up there to uh, Mr. Joey Logano in the spring race. So, um, yeah, he clearly knows how to move up here. He's, you know, that was his only top five in the last four races here. Um, but he has gotten markedly better. It was not top five. That was like his only top 20, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's his only top 20 in seven in the last seven races he's <laughs> run here. So, um we ever see Matt DiBenedetto win a race? I think we do. I think he's got the skills. Definitely has the skills. I'd just love to see him get the ride. He would literally like one hard pass of Ryan Newman away from winning last year's Bristol race. If Newman lets him go, Denny Hamlin's not catching him. Yeah. God damn. That was a bad word. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I'll be I'll be pretty well all over De Benedetto all this right. week. Copy. Kind of agree with you there. Uh, next row, we have Ryan Priest, 5,600 on DK, 4,500 on FanDuel. Cole Custer is 6,600 on DK, 8,000 on FanDuel, which I don't really want to touch. Um, I'm not in love with this line either. I feel like there are just so many good plays below this line. This line just kind of—it's like a wallflower to me. It's just like ever since Cole Custer won Kentucky, it just seems like he's just been fading in with the noise. And it's like it's still a great car, great team, but you know he's out of the playoffs now, and it's just like I have no reason to play you. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I don't know that Custer's really anything, but he hasn't really been anything special of late. Um... I mean, he's okay. only winning rookie of the year because he won a race this year in Tyler. Because Reddy. of one heck of a pass, right? Yeah. If he doesn't make, if he doesn't make that four wide pass at Kentucky, Tyler Reddick is your rookie of the year. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I'm I'm just not really that interested in this row. All right, next row is Bubba Wallace at 6,700. On DK, Ty Dillon is 5,900. Very nice price tag for both drivers with PD. A lot of buzz about Bubba. He's feeling good. He's going to a one-car team next year, which is similar to what he's in right now. But, you know, he's going to have money. It's going to be a good ride for him. It's it's. Sorry, I've got the hiccups. That's embarrassing to admit. But, like, this this is narrative street for Bubba, coming off some huge news. And it's a big move for his career. It's it's a once-in-a-lifetime move. And so he's 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 got mojo going. So I want exposure to Bubba. Unless you can talk me off him. I mean, we could nope, just it outside the top 20 finish for Bubba. I, I'm in agreement with you as well. And my wife and I were talking about this before the podcast, too. Like, okay, well, if you're fading Denny because of distraction, are you on Bubba because of distraction? Or are you on Bubba because of motivation? And I'm like, well, I think it's motivation because now he's going to show off for MJ. Like, he, you know, he's got a, he's still trying to reel in sponsors. Obviously, he's trying to show that he was worth the risk for them to take. Um, you know, and obviously he still wants to do well for for RPM there. 
Um, so yeah, I I really do like Bubba Wallace this week. Um, he's got an okay history here. He does have a you know a top ten finish um, here, which did come this spring. He started twenty seventh and finished sixth um, in in the spring race here, which was by the way before he started getting all the attention he got later this year. So um, so that's always a good sign to see. Ty Dillon is always you know kind of a budget. PD guy, not quite as much top ten and top twenty here. Yeah, Um, not quite as much this week as we like to see. But he did finish tenth in the spring race, started twenty fourth. So you know he's he's capable of doing that, obviously. And now he's also, by the way, still racing for a ride because there's no guarantee where Ty Dillon is winding up. Uh, There's talk that RCR could expand to a three car operation because you know. Ty Dillon is Richard Childress's grandson, mm-hmm. um, so there's still there's still a shot he he's fighting for a Cup Series ride, but we'll we'll see where Ty Dillon winds up. All right, next row seems like it's a little bit of a buzzkill. John Hunter Nemechek at sixty four hundred, Christopher Bell at seventy one hundred, starting twenty fifth and twenty sixth. Is this a quick one? Uh, Christopher Bell's a decent play, I guess, for PD, but John Hunter Nemechek, we're just worried about him even finishing on the lead lap. Yeah, um, there with you. In 11 mile-and-a-half races this year, Christopher Bell has an average finish of 19th after starting almost 25th. So he's appealing there for PD, but John Hunter is a a wreck waiting to happen because I'm pretty (laughs) sure he and Ricky Stenhouse played Freaky Friday at some point. Um yeah, he's just not – just he's been impossible to trust since the season started back up. It's in, it's ridiculous. So, Bell is the play on that one. All right, next row we have Ryan – two very intriguing plays here. Ryan Newman at 7,400. Uh, in his last three Vegas races, he has two top tens, an average finish of 14.3, and he typically moves up around eight or nine spots per race. Uh, potential value there. William Byron is 9,400, but with a lot of PD on the table. Um, he has about 62 quality passes per race, average finish of 20. He has a top 10, a top 20 here. So, I mean, there's risk. He's he's fresh off just being eliminated uh, last week from the playoffs after winning at Daytona a couple weeks back. How do you feel about these guys this week? I love both of them. Yeah, I kind of figured. I do, too. Uh, I... I do. I think it's a great spot for William Byron here. Um, and Newman is Ryan Newman, man. Like, he's starting back in the pack. He comes with PD. He's going to get you PD. And he's basically the same price on both sides. So there's really there's really no reason not to look at Ryan Newman. Um, Byron is a little bit less of a, I don't want to say a sure thing, because there's nothing sure in NASCAR, but... Um, He's less of a safer floor guy, obviously. Um, but I see some some pretty nice PD upside from Byron. Um, they've run better here recently. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like both of them. All right. So we're kind of getting to the uh, the dumpster fire section of this podcast. Daniel Suarez, Greg Galding, Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy is an intriguing play. I like Greg. I, I like Corey LaJoy quite a lot this week. Yeah. Uh, gains about nine and a half spots per race. Average finish of about 22. And he's uh, dirt cheap. 
He's very cheap. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse is 7,800 with a top five and a top 10 here. Average finish of 16.3. Mostly a GPP play, right? Yes. All right. Yeah. He's in the GPP rankings. You can't bank on Stenhouse in cash. You just can't do it. Sorry, it's Stenhouse. Um, there's a reason his nickname is Recky. There's also a reason why his previous owner fired him and then said he wrecked too many cars. Because he does. <laughs> Because, as we saw last week, it was pretty on brand for him to make an exit stage left in the middle of the uh, <laughs> in the middle of the straightaway at Bristol. Um, but LaJoy does intrigue me with his uh, proven uh, position differential upside there. Um, LaJoy started 30th and finished 16th here in the spring, by the way. Um, Stenhouse, if you want to reference this, in the spring race, started 26th and finished 3rd. So... There is upside for both of them. Stenhouse is GPP only. LaJoy can be played with both. All right, man. Uh, I think that was actually one of our more entertaining breakdowns without the one Edward Rouse. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on before we sign off? Um, I mean, a little bit of strategy. There's 267 laps for this race. It's a 400-mile race. Um, so laps led will be a factor Obviously, uh, fastest laps on DraftKings, laps completed on FanDuel will also uh, be a factor. As for laps led dominators, um, over the last handful of races here, the laps led have kind of been split fairly evenly. Um, In fact, there's only two drivers in the last five races that have topped 100 laps led. Um, One was Joey Logano. Back in uh, this race, uh, yeah, this race last fall led 105 laps. And then the uh, spring race of 2017, um, or sorry, the fall race of 2017, Kevin Harvick led 214 laps on his way to winning. Uh, Those are the only two guys to lead more than 100 laps. Everybody else led like 88 or less. So, Labs led might be kind of split here, um, unless Kevin Harvick absolutely nails the um, setup, and then he could, you know, run away from people. Um, per usual. Yeah, this might be, <laughs> you might see a mixed set of strategy, depending on how comfortable with the next two races some playoff drivers are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Team Penske, typically a pretty good plate racing team, right? Talladega's up next. Well, they also do really well at Vegas. They've won like four of the last five races at Vegas. Um, So, you know, that's something to consider as well. Um, If you have some good road course racing guys, they might just be banking on the Roval like a guy like Martin Truex Jr. or Chase Elliott. Yeah, uh, who really, really do well at road course races, um, might actually be banking on those. So you're going to see a little bit of a different strategy coming in here. Some guys might just be focused on points, just trying to solidify their standing um, before the chaos of Talladega happens next week. Um, it definitely so- feels like next week is a really good week to get on Eric Almarola and Austin Dillon. Yeah, I mean, those guys are... And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, 
Well, I was just mostly just targeting guys that are still in the playoffs. Oh, in the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, because um, it seems like Harvick, Hamlin, Kozlowski, like, they're relatively safe. Uh, Elliot and Well, Harvick gonna... definitely is because he won last week. So uh, yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. My bad. But uh, it definitely like seems Hamlin, like Elliot... I mean, Hamlin is 40... 48 points. points above the cut line. So to basically lock yourself in to the next round, you've got to be basically 55 points ahead of the cut line before the final race. So if Hamlin has a strong point day and then survives like the first two stages of Talladega, he could be pointed in. Kislowski's 30-something points ahead of the cut line right now, you know. But between Logano and Kurt Busch, there's only 21 points. So that's only a couple of stage wins, basically, um, that separate the other uh, 13 drivers. So, or nine drivers, I guess. So, um, yeah, we're going to see some differing strategies. But laps led is going to be kind of important. Um, it's going to be more important for running position, like where these guys track position is going to be vitally important here because it's a kind of a tough track to pass on. Um, so you want to kind of get the guys who have stated position differential, uh, history here in those lineups and guys that have lapse led history here. Um, it's probably a pretty good way to round out your lineup. All right. Good stuff as always. Uh, I don't know. I thought this was more of a thought-provoking breakdown from us, um, but love it, Matt. Thank you for your time as always. Be on the lookout uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'll try and get the Xfinity playbook up as soon as possible, but I'm aiming for like 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and be on the lookout for the NASCAR DFS playbook as well. Uh, if it gets lost in the shuffle of NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, League of Legends, Fantasy Poker, Porsches. Darts. I don't know. Dodgeball. Just click, just click the NASCAR tab. Everything is there. Uh, but Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you and to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.